Children's church? No children's church today. So if you've got children, you better keep them under control. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's good to have children in the church. Amen? It's good to have children in the church. Amen? Okay, good. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. We'll get there here in a second. 1 Kings chapter 19. You know, very early in life, our teachers and our parents tried to instill true lessons in our lives that that would reflect that we could reflect on later on in life to help us as we grow. Do y'all remember those life lessons your, your parents used to tell us? Y- y- y'all remember? Some of them we remembered and some of them we forgot. But, but here are some of them. Here are just a few. Y'all remember this in kindergarten? They taught us how to share with others. Now some of us do better with sharing than others. Right? But we learned that lesson a long time ago, Ricky Tyre, that we are to share with others. Here's another one. Don't say ugly words. Well, hold on. as we get older, this is, what, this is what we say. Well, what exactly is an ugly word? That's become a, a, a relative term. Well, you know what an ugly word is, don't you, Shaggy? I mean, we all know what an ugly word is. We, but we learned early on, don't say ugly words. Here's another one. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't put that in your mouth. Listen, y'all, we've got a granddaughter. Her name is Wiley. Hey, Neil, I'm, I'm bouncing. Do you, hear, do you hear that echo? Do you hear that? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I don't know what, th- that child tests everything by putting it in her mouth. If anybody is going to get sick, that child's going to get sick because she puts everything in her mouth. Here's another one. Don't touch that, and just a few minutes later, what do they do? Exactly. See, these are just a few and many, many more life lessons that we learned as we grew. One of my favorite life lessons was if you try really hard, you can accomplish anything. All you have to do is try. Y'all remember Little Train That Could? I mean, that's what we learned. We, we, I remember sitting in Miss Curtin's kindergarten class. We read that book, The Little Train That Could. Y'all remember when he was at the bottom of the hill, what did he say? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Then as he started going up the hill, he said, I think I can. I think I can. I th-. And he got to the top of that hill and I, I know I can. I know I can. Y'all, Come on, listen, y'all. Come on. Y'all going to have to go buy that book and, and read it. But at some point... The, the little train got positive when he knew that he was going to make it to the top. You may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with the Bible, Brother Kyle? This is a new year. Well, it is a new year. It's a new year. The old year is gone. Praise God. Amen? It's gone. I had enough of it. And 2020. If you are a Christian, there are life lessons God is teaching us all And we need to remember them. The life lesson that that we have been taught from God yet seems to be forgotten more often than any others in Scripture is this. You've won. You've won. If you are a Christian, if you are a blood-bought child of the king, you have won. Satan has lost. And listen to this. You're going to make it. If you are a child of the king... You win. You win. Satan has lost, and it doesn't matter what type of situation you're in, you are going to make it. You're going to make it. Yeah, pastor, 
yeah, I, I know I'm going to make it, but, but I still get a little scared from time to time. Anybody in here guilty? I, I know that I've won. I, I know that Satan is lost. I know that I'm going to make it, but I still get scared from time to time. Anybody guilty? I'm guilty. Y'all, let's see another person in Scripture who's guilty. Y'all want to see him? Look at chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Chapter 19 of 1 Kings. <clears throat> Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent... Anybody in here have a, a relative named Jezebel? I wonder why. Why, why, did, why were y'all none, none of y'all named Jezebel? So Jezebel sent a messenger to, to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Now, now think here. This is a nasty woman. Any of y'all ever met a Jezebel like this? We call them, golly, y'all. Y'all know what we call them today? Y'all know what their names are today? You see them all the time. You know what their names are? Say it, say it. Karens. Just so happy, Steve, we have a Karen in the middle, but she's not like this. But they call them Karens today, not Jezebel's. Says, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Do I need to remind y'all, what was Elijah? He was not just a prophet. He was a mighty prophet of God, a mighty prophet of God. It says this, let's read it again. It says, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under the broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than, than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there was a, re, a, a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. <clears throat> so he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat. Our journey will be much, well, the journey will be much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Then on the strength, of, uh, uh, the strength from the, the food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He, he entered a cave there and spent the night. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Y'all might want to underline that. Let's read it again. Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. But the Israelites have abandoned your, your, your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that, mount, at that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountain and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's the second time. Now I hope that y'all got chills under one of the two times that I read that. But he said, What, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says pretty much the same thing again. He says, I, I've been very zealous for, for the Lord God of hosts, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they're trying, they're looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are, on, you, you, you are to anoint Haziel as king of Aram. Go back. He says, go back. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in God, <clears throat> we come to you again asking forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Help us to see ourselves in this scripture. Help us to return to you, Lord, where we need to be. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Church, now we, we just read an unusual encounter of a major, of just, he was a major prophet. He was a great prophet of God. What took place in his life? But we need to recall and remember, Vicky, what had just taken place. We see right here in chapter 19 that Elijah's running. He's running. He is scared. He is scared to death. Why is he scared? Because a Jezebel has told him, before this day is over, I am going to do to you what you have just done to my prophets. What exactly had Elijah just done? If we look back at chapter 18, and I'm not going to read it all. Y'all go back and read it this afternoon. In chapter 18, the first thing we see in chapter 18, verse 17 through 18, is Elijah stood up to Ahab. Well, that's no big deal. I mean, he should have. He should have stood up to Ahab. What Ahab was doing was wrong. He was leading the country in the wrong direction. He was telling them the things that they ought to do. He was moving them away from the Lord. He was telling them that they needed to bow down to Baal and worship Baal. He, sh he should have been leading them away from, from, from Ahab. He stood up to Ahab, the king, right? Do you know that Scripture tells us 
Listen to me, church. Listen very carefully to me, church. Scripture tells us that we are to honor and pray for those who are in authority over us. Do you hear me? But it also tells us to stand up and point out when they do something that is wrong. As Christians. And you see that in chapter 18. Elijah stands up to Ahab. Oh, Brother Kyle, what's the big deal? Ahab is the king of the territory. And he stands up to him. But we see something else in chapter 18, verse 20 through 38. <clears throat> Not only do we see Elijah standing up to, to Ahab, but he's standing alone. There's no with him. But God, there is nobody with him but God. When was the last time, church? Has there been a first time where you have stood up for God and it did not matter what the consequences were going to be? At this point in time, he is standing in front of Ahab, thumbing his nose at Ahab by himself in front of a king, in front of a man who had the ability to snap his fingers and kill him dead. He had all the other prophets, but not Ahab. Ahab hadn't killed Elijah, not yet. And Elijah in chapter 18, Gary, he was standing up. He was like, hey, let's go. Let's go. He stood up by himself. Not only that, he stood up for the people. He stood up for the people of Israel, the whole nation. Nobody else would stand up, but Elijah says, I'll stand in their place. Church, you know what he did? Let me, let me just read one thing that he said. That I, 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 I highlighted it in my Bible because it was so good. I, I like Elijah in chapter 18. In chapter 19, I'm just confused. I'm confused, Deborah, Deborah Breezy. I'm confused with Elijah in chapter 19. I really am. Listen to what he says to Ahab back and forth. Chapter 18, verse 20 says this. So he took up the bull and he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound, no one answered. And they did their lame dance around the, 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 the altar that they had made. Listen to what Elijah does. Elijah taunts them. Now, we as Christians, we ought not taunt anybody. But hey, listen, Elijah did. He did. This is what he said. He says, at noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly. There were 450 Baal worshipers there. And he says, hey, guys, maybe you're not, just, you're not loud enough. Maybe you're not loud. Hey, scream out louder. Scream, scream out louder. For he is a God. Elijah says this. Maybe he's thinking it over. You see, what he did is he challenged Ahab. He says, I'm going to build an altar, but I want you to go first. I want you to go first. He said, you build your altar. You cut your bull up. You put it on the altar. You, you put it on your altar, and you call on your God. From morning to night, Alec, they called on their God. Now it was his time. Y'all know how it is, right? He's mocking them. He says, well, hey, maybe he's thinking it over. Then he said this. He said, maybe he's wandered away. 
Maybe, maybe Baal's going to get something to eat. He's just wandered away and he can't hear you. Then he said this. He says, or maybe he's on the road. Maybe he's traveling and he can't hear you. I, I want to see this, Dan, don't you? When we get to heaven, I hope there's a real room. We can go back and see this. Because I like this guy. I like this Elijah. He, he says this. He says, perhaps, hey, shh, perhaps he's sleeping. Perhaps he's, he's sleeping and needs to, to wake up, so, so shout loudly. And then, listen, he watched. The, 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 he, after he mocked them, it stirred them up, Caleb. They were like, well, we got to do something different. So they started cutting themselves. Y'all know that's demonic, right? Cutting yourself is demonic. You hear me? Unless you're getting a splinter out of yourself, if you're cutting yourself, that's demonic. You don't need to do that. So they started cutting themselves. Scripture says blood was gushing everywhere. They were doing everything they possibly could to get this bull consumed so they could praise their God and say he was better than the God of Elijah. Y'all know what happened, don't you? Elijah said, y'all boys sit down, sit down. It, it is time, it is the official time for the actual sacrifice unto Jehovah God. Right? So he, he mends the altar that was torn down. He mends the altar. He cuts his bull up. Scripture says that he dug a trench around the altar in chapter 18, dug a trench around the altar, had, had somebody there, three, three Israelites, get three uh, water jugs that held a, a gallon or more apiece. He drenched his offering three times and then filled up the gutter around his altar. And then with a humble voice, he said, Lord God, I'm your servant. He said, I want you to prove today in the sight of all Israel who is Lord God of all. And immediately, Scripture says that that sacrifice was engulfed by the fire of God from heaven. It burned, listen, it says it burned the offering, it burned the wood, it burned the stones, it burned the sand, and it lapped up the water around it. I like this Elijah. I like him. What happened between chapter 18 and chapter 19? Jim, what happened between chapter 18 and verse 19? What happened in chapter 19? Elijah's scripture says, got scared. So here is some biblical wisdom for when you get scared. If Elijah's going to get scared... Becky, we, we all have the ability to get scared. I just did a survey a few minutes ago when we all raised our hands. I mean, listen, we've all gotten scared, even though, listen, all, we, we know we win. We know we win in the end. Satan loses, but we still get scared. I hope I don't get scared in 2022. I, I did in 2021, Steve, a couple of times. I know I did in 2020. Hey, listen, I remember coming home a couple times. I think I nearly died from Lysol and poisoning. <clears throat> Any of y'all else? 
I, I, when, we, when all this junk first started, I'd come home, and, and Amy was spraying the doorknobs, the door handles, the commode, the commode seat, the commode lid. She was, she was spraying the refrigerator handles, the, the handles to the cabinets, the, the, everything you turn on, turn off. She was spraying it all. I nearly died from inhalation of Lysol. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in fear. Let me say that again. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of living in fear. If you study Scripture, that is one of the main things the enemy does to suppress what God wants done is he puts fear in the lives of believers. I'm not lying. So what can we do when we get afraid? What can we learn from our Scripture this morning? What can we do to not be afraid? Number one, not me because I'm a man. I, I don't get scared, right? Men don't get scared. But if you try to live as close to the Lord as you possibly can, you will, you'll feel threatened and feel scared at times. Listen, I used to walk the halls years ago at night because I was afraid a Jezebel was going to come in and destroy the church the way we see Scripture taking place this morning. And she don't have to be called Jezebel. She can be called anything. She can be called anything. Do you realize, church, that it only takes one person? Listen to me. It only takes one person, one person with a bad attitude to split a great church. And all she did was make a threat. She said, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets. Dan, I would have looked at her and said, look here, lady. You keep running your mouth. God's going to do to you what he did to your prophets. That's what you would think the bold, bold man in chapter 18 would say. But no, he didn't. He ran. It only takes one Jezebel church. I want you to understand something. My doors are always open. My phone, I'm always answering to my phone. Now, if you call me at midnight and I look at the phone, I'm, you know, okay, hold, hold on a second. And I might answer it. If you call twice after midnight, I'm going to answer because I know it's an emergency. But don't say, look, you know, I, I ran out of, uh, of Eggo waffles. Can you go get me some? No. That's not what a 12 a.m. phone call is for, right, Ricky Tyre? But I, my office is always open. I'm always available. I'm always here. Listen, Becky, most of the time my door is shut and I'm sitting there studying. But when every time somebody comes, I mean, you, can I talk to the pastor? There's only been a couple of times where Becky said, well, he's studying. Uh, he'll, he'll get back to you. It only takes one person with a bad attitude to destroy a great church, to destroy a movement from God. Church, something else we need to see here is this. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. God is on your side. You have one. Listen, you have one even if you die. Even if you die. Do you know I, I've never known a Christian who's wanted to come back after they've died, after they've seen the glory of God? I, I just don't think it's possible. When our eyes see what God has prepared for us the way 1 Corinthians says he's prepared for us, I don't believe anybody, I don't care how great your life was, when you stand in the presence of God, it's great. You don't want to, I don't want to come back to this. The suffering, the, 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 the nastiness of this world, 
They don't want to come back. Church, note that God kept asking Elijah something. Note that God kept asking Elijah, what are you doing here? In verse 9 and verse 13, he says, what are you doing here? What does that tell us? What should that tell us? He knows where you are right now. The God of the universe, the God that created everything that you see, the God who holds the universe in his hands, who spoke this world and everything you see into existence, he spoke it. We, we have uh, an event at our house, a baby shower here in a, in a few weeks, and, and Amy's told me some things that she wants me to make and things she wants me to do to prepare and things I have to clean and all this stuff. I'm going to have to physically do all that, Dan. You know that, right? It's going to take time. God, li- listen to this, church. This is mind-blowing. Everything you see, God spoke it into existence. All this Christmas decorations just disappear. Hey, just disappear. Kim, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Go back to your boxes. Go. go. I mean, if God were up here and he said that, I mean, they'd be gone. God spoke everything we see into existence. He knows where you are right now. Church, there's something else you need to know. God is interested in your walk with him. And when you're you're on the wrong path, he is going to let you know. Why? Because he loves you. God loves you. When you're on the wrong path, he's going to let you know. The Holy Spirit of God is going to tell you you're, you're on the wrong path. Do you mean to tell me you think that he loved Elijah more than he loves you? No, he doesn't. Church, You don't have to run. When you're scared, you don't have to run like Elijah did. Praise God, amen? When you get scared, you don't have to run like Elijah did. Church, understand this. If you are on God's side, God will always be on your side. Think about that. I didn't come up with that. I mean, but if you are on God's side... He is always going to be on your side. So whose side do you want to be on? Let's pick some teams this morning. If, if you're on God's side, he's always going to be on your side. Whose team do you want to be on? I, I want to be on God's side. One of my favorite people in all the world, Ergen Kainer, used to say this. He says, it's funny to him how our society has become so politically correct and so easily offended. <clears throat> Did y'all hear that? He said, it's, it's amazing to him how our society has become so politi- politically correct and so easily offended. All but the Christian and the silent majority. Can I tell y'all, church, one of the things that, that just scares me, I guess, is that silent majority has grown silent. We, the Christians, need to stand up just like we see Elijah Not in chapter 19, but in chapter 18. Church, did God not protect Elijah when the odds were stacked against him in chapter 18? Jesse, I can't imagine somebody doing that. 
That, that'd be the equivalent of somebody going to the White House today, walking through the gates. Y'all know what happens when people do that. They, from time to time, they do that, right? Walking through the gates, standing in front of Joe Biden and saying, come on, we're going to have a face-off. Man, I'd like to see that. I have, listen, church, I have never, ever paid for a pay-per-view event. Never. Glenn Thornton, I've never paid for, I, and I, there used to be some good ones. Every time Tyson would come, I'd be saying, I'd be, oh man, back in the day, I was like, is it worth $100? And I, and I never would, but I'd pay for this event. I'd, I want to see this right here, Jack. I really would. The odds were stacked against him, and God was always with him. But there's something else. He, he stood up. He stood up for God, and he called right, right, and wrong, wrong. And listen, church, he let God place the fallen pieces where they needed to be placed. And that's where we need to be today. We need to be willing to stand up and call right, right, and wrong, wrong, and let God take care of all the pieces that are going to fall to the side. If not now, when? If not now, when? We are fast approaching what Revelations tells us. Y'all do believe the Bible is true, right? We're heading towards a one-world economy, a one-world religion, and a one-world government. Brother Kyle, that's silly. It's Scripture. It's Scripture. And when we see it happening, we need to point at this Scripture and say, listen, you need to get your walk right with God because it's coming. We can't stop it. If you can't look at the events that have taken place in 2019, 2020, and 2021 and see that we're fast approaching this, you need to get in your Bible because it's coming and we can't stop it. We couldn't stop it if we wanted to stop it. Something else we need to see is this. We need to stand up for God and know, know that you're going to make it even if you are standing alone. That's where it really gets scared, isn't it? That's when we really get scared. That's when it gets scary. When we don't have anybody with us. Y'all remember that, that lame brain little uh, uh, person on the playground when we were kids? When, when he had four or five people around him, he'd just run that mile, run that mile. Y'all remember that person? I remember them. they just run that mile. But when they were by themselves in a hall by the water fountain and you walked up, they didn't have anything to say, did they? We need to be willing for God, not for us, not for a pat on our back, not for a star on our chest or a badge or, or, or a, new, a new stage of development. We need to, because of ourselves, be willing to stand up for God even, listen, even if we're standing alone. I like the Elijah in, verse, in chapter 18. Chapter 19, it, it, it just, it worries me. Church, I want to ask you a question <clears throat> that God asked Elijah. Y'all ready? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? God created you from the tops of your feet to the, I mean, the tops of your head to the, to, to the tips of your toes to serve him, not to serve yourself. 
If you're not willing and wanting to serve God, there's no reason for you being him here. And just like the 450 prophets of Baal, listen, I don't know why God doesn't take us out because you're not doing what God called you to do. You're not doing and you're not being who God created you to be. If you're God's and you're not doing God's will, why are you here? What are you here for? Elijah, what are you doing here? Now understand, not here literally, but wherever you are in your life, what are you doing there? What are you doing where God's placed you? Are you working for the Lord? Are you boldly standing up for the Lord? Or are you running and hiding, occasionally, occasionally picking up a little pebble and throwing it in the direction of sin? Church, let today be the first day of the rest of your life when you say, I am going to serve God no matter what happens to me. I know God is in control and, 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 and He is going to take care of me. All I have to do is lose myself to win my life. And if I lose it all, I still win. Are you ready to do that today? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Father, we thank you right now for who you are for knowing God beyond any shadow of doubt that you are always with us. You know exactly where we are. Sometimes, God, we, we find ourselves not, not, not knowing where we are, but you know exactly where we are even when we don't know where we are. And we praise you for that. We praise you, God, that you come after us because you love us. I pray that you would be with us right now during this time of invitation. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you need to come and spend some time with the Lord? Do you need to make a commitment to God right now that, that you're going to do what he's called you to do? Will you come?